Welcome back to Life Hurts God Heals. I'm your host, Kurt Flegel, and on this show, we are continuing the conversation about the Enneagram that we started last time. What is the Enneagram? My special guest, Kim, and I were talking about that. How each one of us is represented by one of nine numbers that all together make up the Enneagram. We went in-depth on Kim's particular number as a snapshot of how the Enneagram works for all of us. Today, we're going to broaden that perspective out to talk about all of the other numbers, in particular, each one's desires, fears, and motivations, and the healing message that God has for each one. Before we really get rolling into the numbers, maybe we should take a moment to talk about how these nine different numbers also are broken up into three groupings, what are called triads. For instance, the eight, nine, and one are in what's called the gut triad or the instinct triad. They react out of instinct. And there's an overarching emotion attached to each triad. And for for the gut triad, for the eight, nine, and one, that is that is anger. So now we have the two, three, and the four, which are in the feelings triad. And they, they deal with like an overwhelming sense of all of the emotions. But still, there is one in particular that they wrestle through, and that is shame, if I believe if I'm right, for the feelings triad. And then there's the five, six, and seven, which are in the head triad, thoughts, a lot of thoughts. And they deal primarily with fear. That's the overarching emotion for that triad. So I I wanted to make sure we discuss not only the nine numbers, but also the triads, because that's important. And we're going to talk about how each number has within it one that internalizes that specific emotion and one that externalizes it and one that suppresses it. Okay. Now that we've explained that up front, we can continue the conversation with my special guest and my friend, Kim Ward. How would you describe each of the the nine numbers and maybe the the fears and motivators behind each one? Uh, Well, I guess I'll start at the beginning, which is the one, which is the perfectionist. So for them, they have a deep sense that they are flawed and that the world is flawed, but they long for beauty and perfection. So... They tend to be critical of others, but the one that they're most critical of is themselves. Mm. They are driven people who will get stuff done like no one's business, but there's always that sense within them that they're not enough. Uh, Two is the helper. Twos are giving, kind. They're some of the warmest and most caring people on the Enneagram. They'll give you the shirt off their back, but they are so focused on serving others that they neglect their own heart and their own needs. Mm. And that's the mask they wear. That is, that is the mask they wear. So they are not they they're so focused on everyone else that they ignore their own heart. They a lot of the times, if I remember correctly, it's they're afraid that their needs aren't worth meeting. Mm. Uh, that they're, they're not, not important. Worthy. They're not worthy. Yeah. They're not important enough. So their their desire biggest desire is to not be a burden. Okay. So that's a lot of the motivator behind what they're going for is that they don't want to be a burden to other people. Trees, the perform, the performer, the they, achievers, the achiever or the performer, they at the very least want to appear successful. 
they're very much about performance. So they're driven like the one. They're driven like the one, but what's behind it is the sense of inadequacy. It's not just that they feel inadequate, they need to avoid failure at all costs. So they, they will be the one that is trying whatever possible way they can to at least look on the outside, like everything is going great. Like successful. Successful. What's the fear in that? Their need is to avoid failure. Okay. So they're afraid of failing. Would be a big one on that one. And we've got fours that feel all their emotions all the time. They're sometimes called the romantic. So two, three, and four are in the feeling triad. Yeah, the feeling or heart triad, depending on the definition you get for that. So they're the ones that walk out of their heart. Yeah, and fours are the ones that feel that the most, most deeply. Yeah, all the time. Uh, they tend to be creative, they're sensitive, they have a need to be understood, to experience all of their feelings, have them validated, and avoid being ordinary. That's the fear, is to be... The, yeah, the, that they're not really as unique as they think they are. It, and what I found for fours is one of the dangers there is that whatever they're feeling in that moment is how they identify themselves. So yeah. they're very much like up and down with their emotions. Yeah, that they they struggle with balance. a sense of balance, yeah. Yeah, definitely. However they feel is how they think that they are Yeah. and experience themselves in that moment. How about fives? Fives are also known as the investigator. They're in, now, this is the head triad. We're we are getting into the head triad. Five, six, and seven, which is you. The thoughts. Seven is, are all in the head and the mm -hmm. thoughts triad. Yeah, seven is me, yep. So five is known as the investigator. They're analytical. They tend to look de appear detached and private. So they're trying to conserve energy, and they want to avoid relying on other people. So they're all about gathering information or resources and protecting those resources at all costs mm. um, because they feel like there won't be enough. That's the fear, that, that what they have isn't enough. And what I would say is the, the, uh, the fear for the five is the opposite of the fear for me. The five is afraid of out there, yeah. the outside world. And so they retreat into their inner thoughts. Mm -hmm. And they, unlike a nine that tries to avoid both, you know, the... <laughs> The conflict within and the conflict without. Fives are really afraid of the conflict without, and they're very comfortable with their own thinking and feeling, and they tend to retreat in themselves because the world outside is dangerous. Because of their insecurity about the outside world, they want to make sure they have everything they need, every resource, all the information they need, to deal with whatever comes their way. So they have that hoarder mentality, at least when it comes to information and energy and, and power and resources, so that they can feel confident when they engage the outside world. They are the kind of people who hold everything in and will not tell you what they're thinking or feeling. You have to pull it out of them with like, you know, with not just a, a crowbar, but the jaws of life. All right, so that's the five, six. Six, mostly known as the loyalists. They are, well, your wife. 
mm-hmm. is a six. Mm-hmm. Um, a girl that I just recently became friends with is also a six who said yes to all 20 of the checkpoints for a six. Wow. They're committed, they're practical, they tend to be smart, but they are worst-case scenario thinkers who are motivated by fear and they need mm-hmm. security. Mm-hmm. They felt a lack of it, so they're always trying to prepare for the worst. The odd thing about a six is they 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 look to authority for their sense of security, but then at times they question if they're being too dependent and then rebel. So it's really yeah. sometimes hard to figure out what the six is doing, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. But at the same time, they are great at asking the right questions to get to the root of issues, which makes them great problem solvers. If they go too far, they question everything. Yeah, yeah, they can be one of the most anxious numbers out of uh, out of the Enneagram because they have to question everything, and everything must be doubted. Yeah. So the fear-based mentality of of a six is interesting because there are estimates that six is the most common number in the population of the world. Yeah. That more people are this personality type than any others, which could explain why fear-based advertising Mm. and political grandstanding works so well. But on the other hand, they're the most loyalist. It's really an apt description because once you gain their friendship and their trust, Mm -hmm. they're pretty well impossible to shake off. which is a beautiful thing. It is, and I'm thankful for being married to one. Yeah. Like she says, divorce is not an option. Murder is, but divorce is not an option. That does sound like your wife. (laughs) (laughs) So then there's the seven. Which is you. You want to take that one? Yeah, Yeah, and you can correct me. So the seven is the enthusiast. Passion runs hot in a seven. And uh, we're in the thought triad, which tends to mean that we struggle a lot with fear, and we tend to avoid it, which means we go external, outside of ourselves, and look to outward experiences to cope with our internal pain. Fear is a prevalent theme within the head triad, so for numbers 5, 6, and 7. And each number deals with the fear in a different way. For instance, one number internalizes the fear, one number externalizes, and one number suppresses the fear. So there's the feelings, thoughts, and gut. So the nine is the suppressor of the The gut, gut. as we talked about. In the thought triad, the seven is the, there's a, I should go back to this. So there's a suppressor. You're the suppressor. Five externalizes it. Ah. Sixes internalize their fear, fear, and sevens try to forget it. Suppress it, and that's Suppress true. Suppress it. Yeah, so fear is a big deal. Thoughts and fear. I would say for the seven, from my perspective, there's a lot of thoughts going on all the time. All the time. But typically they are all revolving around things that are happening on the outside of us. We're planning external events and circumstances and fun get-togethers to avoid what's happening on the inside. So, yeah, we are afraid. What our greatest fear is is the opposite of fives. We are not afraid of out there. We go to out there to find Mm -hmm. comfort in the external world. So we tend to be the extroverts. 
the enthusiastic extroverts of the world. Robin Williams, uh, seven on steroids, which is saying a lot. Uh, Jim Carrey, seven. Like we tend to be the extroverts because it's the outside world we find safe, but the inner world, our fear and our pain and our wounds, we're afraid to deal with that stuff. So we externalize everything and we look for experiences. That's the big thing of the seven is to avoid the internal pain because we feel ill-equipped to deal with our stuff, which is really funny is that that to me is my life's mission now is (laughs) to deal with the internal stuff. I know. God uses our mess to make a message. Weren't you just telling me that? Yeah. Well, and I think that that's where our, our greatest strengths can be is where the enemy hits us the hardest. You know, and so if I can get to the place where I will courageously face what's inside, I will be a passionate enthusiast for other people mm-hmm. finding and facing their wounds and and hurts yeah. that I've typically well, my whole life tried to avoid. Oh, I'd say you've definitely <laughs> been working on that one since that's what I've experienced with you mm. in our relationship for sure. It's because of you being vulnerable and being willing to go to those places that Mm. I'm in a better place. Mm. You know, God using your wounds to help heal me. Mm. You know, it was definitely (laughs) been part of the beauty of all of this for the last few years of our friendship is I can look back and go, I'm not the same person I was when we met. Yeah. You know, and if you hadn't been willing to face your pain and your vulnerability, I wouldn't have gotten to get free either. Mm-hmm. God's good. He is. Uh, Okay, so that leads us to the eight. The eight. The challenger. This is the beginning of the anger triad. The beginning of the the anger triad. The gut gut triad, anger triad. Same thing. So eights, as we said, externalize their anger. They have full access, and they tend to come off commanding, intense, and confrontational. These are the people that do not have any problem whatsoever with confrontation, pretty much. You know when they're walking into the room. Their energy level just, it's impossible to ignore. <laughs> they're motivated by a need to be strong and avoid feeling weak or vulnerable. Yeah. So these are kids who had to grow up too quickly and quickly learned that the only person that they could count on was themselves. So they don't necessarily want to control other people, although it often comes off like that. They just don't want to be controlled. Yeah. I think uh, the George Patton quote for the eight that Ian Morgan Crone uses at the beginning of his chapter, lead me, follow me, or get out of my way. Yeah, that, sounds about right. I that's, think. that's, I think, a perfect... Perfect eight yeah, quote. Yeah, they're, they're going to challenge and fight. They look for a fight. They yeah, they actually enjoy it. Because it's, uh, it gives them a sense of power. The anger you know, gives them a sense of power. Yeah. Yeah, and they look for people who are going to fight back. They Mm -hmm. actually enjoy that. Mm -hmm. Heaven forbid you be any sort of mellow or doormat type of personality because they will unintentionally, potentially, walk right over the top of you Mm -hmm. with their cleats on. (laughs) And that takes us back to the nine, which is also an anger triad. And what we didn't mention, though, was the one. We didn't mention the one is also in the anger triad. Oh, yes, we did. I forgot about that. Yeah. So. Ones, eights, and nines are all in the anger and or gut triad. 
So the the one is the internalizer of the anger. Eights are the externalizer, and nines, as Ian puts it, forget it. Yeah, they're the suppressor. We're the suppressor. We forget. Right. So going back to the feeling triad, two, three, four, who's the who's the externalizer, who's the suppressor, and who's the internalizer? So twos focus outwardly on the feelings of others, so they are the externalizers. Threes have trouble recognizing their own or other people's feelings. They're the suppressor. Uh, yeah. And then force concentrate their attention inwardly on their own feelings. So they're the ones internalizing it all. Okay. All right. Now, to close this out, you, you said mm-hmm. that the whole point of this is growth, right? Transformation. Right. Gro- growing into our healthiest version of us. Uncovering the true self underneath all the lies and the pollutants. Yeah. And there, so that, that's healing. The freedom to be, to recognize who we are and to embrace and accept that God embraces and accepts us in our uniqueness right where we are. And so we've talked about the, the, the fears and the motivators of each number, but what Ian says is that there's a healing message for each, for each number. The voice of God is speaking the truth of who we are, who we really are, and he is seeking to reveal that by working below the surface underneath all the lies that we buy into that the enemy says about us and about God yeah below all of that there's God working to reveal the truth of who we are so that we can walk in the freedom of it so can we close this out today by speaking the healing message that God gives to each number Definitely. Um, we'll start at eight, since uh, everything in this book is uh, arranged by type. So we'll start with the gut triad here. And that is, we're talking about the road eight, back to you. The road back to you, yes. Uh, so eight, nines, and ones. The healing messages eights need to know, believe, and feel is this. There are lots of trustworthy people in the world, and though the risk of betrayal is always real, love and connection will forever elude them unless they welcome and reconnect to the innocent, less defended child they once were. Yes, betrayal is exquisitely painful, but doesn't happen as often as its spirit does. And if or when it does, they'll be strong enough to survive it. Mm. All right, the healing messages nines need to hear is we see you and your life matters. God didn't invite you to this party to live someone else's life. We need you here. The healing message ones need to hear. Um, Brene Brown sums up perfectly. You're imperfect, and you're wired for struggle, but you are worthy of love and belonging. The one I like on the one is, you're not perfect, but you're good. Yeah. So on to twos. The healing message for twos is, you're wanted. Twos needs matter, and they can begin now learn how to directly express their real feelings and desires without undue fear of humiliation or rejection. Mm. The healing message for threes. The healing message for threes is, you are loved just for who you are. You don't have to work for it. That is a clear, concise message for threes. Yep. For fours, important healing message is, we see you, you're beautiful, don't be ashamed. For fives, the healing message is 
You're enough. You have enough. What God has for you is more than enough for what you're going through. Yeah, I love that idea of for all of this, this is true. You cannot outgive God. Yeah. And I think that's more true for fives to embrace maybe than anyone else. Yeah. For six, the healing message is that they're ultimately safe. Doesn't mean that they're magically protected from disaster or calamity. That from an internal perspective, the story ends well. That God is in control, and even if everything doesn't work out as planned, it's going to be all right in the end. And then last but not least, my number, Your seven. Number. The healing message sevens need to hear and believe is, God will take care of you. It's easier said than done. It's going to take courage, determination, honesty, the help of a counselor or spiritual director, and understanding friends to help sevens confront the painful memories and to encourage them to stay with afflictive feelings as they arrive. But if sevens cooperate with the process, they'll grow a deep heart and become a truly integrated person. Yeah. Good stuff. Thank you for sharing those for us, Kim. It's important to hear them and then receive them. So will you pray um, to close this out for for each person to hear and receive the healing message? Yeah, I think you us. can manage that. Cool. <laughs> Des, thank you that you're not willing to leave us, your kids, in darkness. Father, that your greatest desire is to strip away the things and the names that we have, that have been put on us. Father, help us to be willing to face what scares us most. Father, being vulnerable with you is worth it. It's not easy, but it is worth it, Dad. So, Father, for, for those of us out here who are still struggling, which is all of us at some point or another, with... Um, with areas of blindness, I just ask that you would, in your great kindness, shed your light on the things that we're still blind to, Father, where we haven't let you in yet, and that you would give us the courage to be vulnerable and to let you into those places, that we can know for sure that we can trust the goodness of your heart towards us. And, Dad, that you would provide exactly what we need whether that's people, whether that's resources or materials, you always provide exactly what we need for our healing, Father. So I just ask that you, in this next week or next two weeks, however long it takes, that you will just begin to show us where you want us to grow next. And that you will let the mess in our lives become the message that we get to share of your hope with others. And we ask these things in your name. In my name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Kim. Thank you, Kurt. For your willingness to always come on and <laughs> and just again be vulnerable. Like that's incredible. You always do that. So I appreciate you. Appreciate you too. I'm sure we'll have you back again. I got a feeling. <laughs> Till then. Till then. <laughs> Before we close out this particular episode on the Enneagram, you might be wondering, how do I know what my particular Enneagram number is? 
Well, I want to give you some information so that you can discover that for yourself. First of all, there's an incredible website that we mentioned last week on the show, EnneagramInstitute.com. That's E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M Institute.com. If you go onto that website, they have two particular tools that can help you in this whole endeavor to discover your Enneagram number. One, they have a test called the R-H-E-T-I test. It costs about, I think, $12 to take that test. But what it does, it'll give you, if you take the test, it will give you a range of numbers that could be who you are. They'll probably give you an initial number they think is most most likely your number, and then they'll give you two more. From there, what you can do is go to the other page on the Enneagram Institute, the other tab, rather, that's the nine personality profiles. And you can click on that, and you can click on each description, and then you can click on each particular number, and it'll give you a description of that number, its motivators, its fears, its desires, and an overarching view of it. And you can read the three that came up in your test that could possibly be you. And then make a decision from there. Now, what we look for, what we advise you, that is, to look for, is if you're connecting to a specific number's fears, desires, and motivations, that's probably your number. If it's making you uncomfortable, especially, as Kim said in our last show, if it's making you uncomfortable, that's probably your number. Now, if you don't want to pay the $12, then what you can do is just click on the nine personality profiles, read each one, and see which one connects with you or a couple that connects with you. And maybe also talk to some of the people around you that know you the best and get their feedback. That always helps. But at the end of the day, it really is up to you to discover which of these numbers connect with you at a heart level. No one else can do that but you. We also recommend The Road Back to You by Ian Morgan Crone, as we've been talking about. It's a uh, it's a great primer book to get into uh, more information about your number beyond what the Enneagram Institute can do. Well, I really hope that this information helps you. If you're not sure what to do next, or you have additional questions, you can always email us at lifehurtsgodheals2020 at gmail.com. And you can ask us your questions there, or you can go on our Facebook page, and you can type in your questions there, and we can respond from our Life Hurts God Heals Facebook page. Search for it. It's really easy to find. It's just Life Hurts God Heals. You can also go on the Life Hurts God Heals Facebook page or email us if you have questions outside of the Enneagram or if you have struggles and hurts and you want some advice or spiritual direction. You want guidance on what, where God is in your life and how to take steps to grow in your intimacy with Him and live out of the overflow of the love and joy He has for you. We want to hear from you. If you want to contribute to this ministry, we would love to hear from you as well. 
And that the email once again is lifehurtsgodheals2020 at gmail.com. Well, really that's all the time we have for now. But uh, we hope to see you again next time. Until then, may you receive and reflect the incredible infinite level of love that God is pouring out onto you with all of your heart, with all of your mind, and with all of your soul. Have a great week. 